The last time I spoke to you, which was on May the 22nd, I shared with you that I was going to spend at least three Sundays talking about this subject. In hard times, God will rescue you. And I want to continue on that today. And then again next Sunday, I'll be with you next Sunday as well. And we're going to continue on that subject. In hard times, God will rescue you. Let's open our Bibles once again to Psalm 33. Psalm 33. And look at verse 18 and 19. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death. And to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him. Because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. There are three biblical meanings for the word rescue. The message translation uses that word. God is ready to come to your rescue in bad times. That's the message translation. God is ready to come to your rescue in bad times. And three biblical meanings of the word rescue. Number one, to be delivered. Number two, to be set free. And then number three, to recover and to experience a change in your circumstances. So God will rescue you in bad times. Meaning, number one, he will deliver you from them. Number two, he will set you free in the midst of them. And then number three, he will cause you to recover and to experience a change in your circumstances. Is anybody ready to experience that? Praise God. Well, lift your hands and praise him in advance. Amen. Praise him in advance. Hallelujah. I wrote down in my notes as I was praying this morning, things are about to change for you. Many of you in here today, things are about to change. Some major changes are coming your way. Major changes coming your way. The God you serve is still the God of the breakthrough. I don't think it's a coincidence that we sing this morning about the God of the breakthrough. I didn't have anything to do with telling them what to sing, but they heard from God because he's still the God of the breakthrough. Can you say amen to that? Most of you have heard me say this before. You've heard me tell the story, but I feel the letter of the Holy Spirit to share it with you again. Back in 2004, while I was in South Texas preaching, uh, the last meeting I had was in Lakewood International Outreach Center, pastored by uh, John Osteen. And then, of course, his son, after John went to heaven, Joel Osteen, began to pastor it. And uh, I had been preaching in several different churches all over South Texas. And when I finished that night at Lakewood, I was ready to come home. I was tired. I was ready to come home. And a pastor friend of mine from Liberty, Texas, which is a community not too far from Houston. He said, Brother Jerry, would you consider staying over one more night and come to our church? I said, Pastor, 
Uh, I'm really tired. Why don't I go back home and look at my calendar and, and call you and give you an, another date? He said, oh, no, Brother Jerry, we, we want you to come t- tomorrow night. I came over here to ask you, and I told our people uh, I'd come back with an answer. Well, it's hard for me to say no, particularly under those circumstances, you know. So uh, <clears throat> I said, okay, I'll, I'll come tomorrow night. So we went over to, to Liberty and a uh, little small hotel there, small community, and checked in the hotel. And I'm, I'm still tired. And uh, so I decided I'd just lay down and take a nap before getting prepared to go to that service that night. I thought if I don't if I don't get a little bit of rest, one of those power naps, uh, I won't be worth fifteen cents over there. And they're expecting God to show up, you know, and uh, and I don't I don't like just rushing into a service, tired and and worn out. I want to be fresh and be able to hear the Holy Spirit. So I took my alarm clock out and set it for one hour. Then I laid down on the bed. <clears throat> And the moment I laid down and closed my eyes, I did not know this was going to happen. I didn't ask for it. I wasn't even expecting it. But I had a supernatural visitation of the Lord. This was my third supernatural visitation. The first occurred in 1981. The second occurred in in 81 in Charlotte, North Carolina. Carolyn was with me when it happened. The second one was in Bournemouth, England, while I was preaching Brother Copeland and Gloria. And the third one is now in Liberty, Texas in 2004. And the Lord appeared to me and he said this. My people know me as Savior. Many of them know me as baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Some of them know me as healer. Some know me as deliverer. But they don't all know me as the God of the breakthrough. He said, if they did, then they wouldn't be so quick to give up. He said, tell them the God of the breakthrough wants to visit their house. Well... There was no resting then. I was refreshed in the presence of the Lord. In fact, I got up and showered and got ready and got dressed and waited two hours for the service to begin. <clears throat> I was so ready. And he said, go over and tell them tonight that the God of the breakthrough wants to visit their house. And then he gave me a message regarding that. But then before he, he left me, he added this. He said, tell them to begin to praise me in advance for their breakthrough. And then he said this, and I never heard this phrase before until he said it. The depth of their praise will determine the magnitude of their breakthrough. The depth of their praise will determine the magnitude of their breakthrough. There, there, there are miraculous things that can happen in the midst of praise. But I'm talking about more than just hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory, glory. That's not much depth. The depth of their praise will determine the magnitude of their breakthrough. Just how big a breakthrough do you need today? I'll give you time to think about that. Hallelujah. Just how desperate do you need a breakthrough? The depth of your praise will determine the magnitude of your breakthrough. 
So I strongly suggest if you need a major breakthrough right now, if I were you, I'd get on my feet and give God the best praise you've got. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. We bless you, Father. We bless you, Father. Glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Now, go ahead and be seated, but I may have you to get up and do that again. Maybe several times during the service this morning. You know, desperate people are willing to do things that other people won't do. Amen. If I could dance like Creflo Dollar, I'd be dancing all morning. I'd be dancing right now while I'm preaching. That man can dance. I've seen him. And I'm jealous. You've heard me tell the story about one time I was in his church and they were singing that song. The presence of the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here. Of course, they had about 200 people in the choir, bigger than most church congregations. And people started singing and shouting. I'm telling you, that place was rocking. And then people got up out of the audience and come up to the front. And there, there had to be at least another 100 or 200 people up there dancing and shouting and praising God. And Creflo's. I'm sitting next to him and, and, and Taffy. And Creflo went to dancing. And Savelle's. You know. Creflo looked like James Brown. You know. And then there was one white guy got up out of the audience and went up to dance with everybody. Finally, I tapped Creflo on the shoulder. I said, Creflo, would you tell the ushers to get the white guy to sit down? He's embarrassing my race. All he did is hop. You know. But someday, maybe if not on this side of heaven, in a sweet by and by, you come to my mansion and watch me dance. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So notice praise. The depth of your praise will determine the magnitude of your breakthrough. A lot of people want to praise God after it happens. And that's good. You should. But what about praising him in advance of it happening? The Lord said to me years ago, one of the greatest expressions of real Bible faith is to be able to praise me in advance of it happening. Amen. Because it, it takes faith to do that. It's, it's, it's a display or a demonstration of your confidence in what God has promised. That he will cause a breakthrough to happen to you. And you're praising him in advance, demonstrating not only your confidence to God... That it will happen, but also showing the devil that you believe it's going to happen. Hallelujah. Amen. So, do you remember the walls of Jericho? How that they came down in the midst of the praise of the people? In the midst of an impossible looking situation, God told them to, to praise him. And, and what they were doing was in the natural not rational. You know, can you imagine all those people in Jericho looking over those walls at God's people down there? God told them to walk around, march around that wall seven times. 
And the last time they marched around it to shout with a great shout. Don't you know there was at least one Israelite who thought, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I've, I've done this five times now and I don't even see a crack. I'm not going to do this anymore. Somebody surely thought that. But they kept doing it. And then, much to the surprise of the inhabitants of Jericho, the walls fell flat. Now, some theologians say those walls were wide enough that you could race chariots around the top of them. That's pretty thick walls. And they fell flat, the Bible says. Amen? Walls still fall flat when God's people praise Him in advance. Hallelujah. And notice, it was in advance. They hadn't seen one brick fall yet. But they kept praising Him, kept praising Him, kept praising Him. Amen. And the walls fell flat. Well, what kind of walls do you have in your life right now? What kind of walls do you need for God to cause to fall flat? Amen. Miraculous things still happen in the midst of praise. Amen. Not only do walls and barriers come tumbling down, but obstacles that are preventing your breakthrough are removed. I'm, I'm going to get into this a little later in the session today, but I'm going to talk to you about divine interruptions. Divine interruptions. And I'll just leave that hanging there for a moment, and, uh, but get ready for it. God is capable of causing a divine interruption, meaning he will cause Satan's Plans to be interrupted for your benefit. So just hang on to that because he's about to do it. Praise God. Amen. So not only do walls and barriers come tumbling down, but obstacles preventing your breakthrough from happening are removed. New doors will begin to open to you. Now, just a few days ago, uh, Joe and, and Eric and I, were in um, Georgia doing a meeting, and I was there for three nights. We had one of the greatest meetings I've had in a long, long time. It was so powerful. Joe told me this morning that, that people have been watching it from all over the world, getting hits on it from all over the world. And, and in one of those services, the Lord said this to me, and I, I, I gave it to the congregation. You are about to enter into a new realm of supernatural favor. And because of it, I will turn what your adversary meant for bad into something good. Supernatural intervention is headed your way. And I'm going to make some things happen for you that you aren't capable of making happening on your own. I'll say it again. New doors are about to open for you that will bring about new opportunities for you to prosper. Divine appointments are being arranged for you that are designed to assist you in going to a higher level where your quality of life is concerned. Yes, your set time has come, so rejoice in the Lord your God and forever praise His name. And never forget that I am not going to allow you to fail. Your future is in my hands, therefore your future is bright. Hallelujah. 
So give the Lord a great shout over that. Amen. Uh, did my mic go off? I said, give the Lord a great shout over that. Amen. So God is capable, still capable of turning things around. He's still capable of interrupting Satan's plans. Amen. I call that divine interruption. So once again, not only do walls and barriers come tumbling down in the midst of praise, but obstacles preventing your breakthrough are removed and new doors will open for you to prosper and to succeed like never before. God's working behind the scenes. I'm just reading from my notes from this morning. God is working behind the scenes right now. And many of you in this auditorium today are going to be testifying of your major breakthrough in the next few days. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I receive that. Hallelujah. I receive that. Praise God. So I encourage you to go ahead and lay upon or lay hold upon your breakthrough right now. Remember the song we were singing? I'm going to get my breakthrough right now. Faith is always now. I'm going to get my breakthrough right now. Say it again. Say it with me. I'm going to get my breakthrough right now. How many of you are completely convinced of that? And if so, then show me. Hallelujah. Come on. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Say it again. I'm going to get my breakthrough right now. And look at somebody and tell them not next month, right now. Right now. Hallelujah. All right, go ahead and be seated. God is working behind the scenes right now. That, that always blesses me to know that God's always working behind the scenes. I've said in services just like this, actually come into a service under pressure, needing a major breakthrough, but nobody knew it because I don't talk it. Nobody had a clue what I was going through. And sit there in that service and, and, and know that if something major doesn't happen soon, it's quite possible it'll be all over. Particularly financial breakthroughs where the ministry is concerned. There's always a need for more finances. Amen. Uh, I'm not resting on what we've already accomplished. I'm, I'm stretching. I'm still going for more, praise God. I'm not done yet. And if I'm not done yet, then that means it's going to take more money to get done what we need to do in the days ahead. Amen. And it seemed like to me God just assumes that if he gives you a project, then you're capable of getting it done. Amen. Why would he give it to you if he didn't think you were capable of getting it done? Gloria Copeland said one time, God has never told Kenneth and I to do anything that was possible. She said, if it was possible, it wouldn't require faith. Amen. 
Has anybody ever had God tell you to do something that was possible in your own strength, your own might, your own ability? If it was possible in your own might, your own strength, your own ability, maybe it wasn't God that told you. (laughs) Because God deals with the impossible. Amen? And so it's always... uh, it's always going to a higher level. You know, like God told the people back in Moses' day, actually after Moses had, had died, he said, you've dwelt on this mount long enough. Now get up and move. In other words, I'm not going to allow you to stay in a comfort zone. It's always go forward. Always go forward. Amen. So, Isaiah chapter 59 verse 1 says, Behold, the hand of the Lord is not shortened, that it cannot save. The message translation says, He can still save. The hand of the Lord. That's our theme this year. The hand of the Lord. God said to us, If you will not be moved, not be shaken, by all the discord and all the, all the uh, chaos that is taking place in the world around you, I will open my hand unto you and cause you to experience supernatural, extraordinary, and unusual provision. And that's our theme this year. And we're experiencing it, praise God. So notice the hand of the Lord is not shortened, meaning what it did yesterday, it can still do today. Hallelujah. Amen. So if you read Isaiah 59 verse 1, Then turn over to the next chapter, verse 1, Isaiah 60, verse 1. It says, Arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. So notice he says, My hand has not been shortened, so arise. If you really believe the hand of the Lord is still capable of doing what it's done in the past, then arise. Amen. Get up. Don't sit around depressed. Don't sit around dejected. Don't sit around crying, feeling sorry for yourself. Sometimes you need to pick yourself up by the ear. Take yourself into a face, a mirror, and point your finger at yourself and say, you are not going to act like this, not today. You understand me? You're not a wimp. You're not a quitter. You're a winner. Now start acting like it. Sometimes you need to become your own best cheerleader. Amen? Hallelujah. So arise and shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. The Amplified Bible says, Arise from the depression in which circumstances have kept you down. Rise to new life. Arise from the depression in which circumstances have kept you down and rise to new life. Somebody say to someone else, it's time to shout unto God. It's time to arise. It's time to put a smile on my face and a smile on your face. God's not done yet. The best is yet to come. What are you feeling sorry for yourself about? Arise. Arise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 
In Isaiah chapter 60, in verse 20, it says, For the Lord shall be thine everlasting light, and the days of thy mourning shall be ended. The days of thy mourning. Not M-O-R-N-I-N-G, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Mourning, sorrow. The days of your sorrow shall be ended. The message translation said, listen to this. Your days of grieving are over. Hallelujah. I think I'm preaching better than you're responding. I said, your days of grieving are over. Hallelujah. Well, Brother Jerry, as soon as I feel like it, I'm going to really shout him, shout to him. As soon as I I have evidence of it, I'm really going to praise him. I just gave you evidence. What more do you need from besides it is written? Your days of grieving are over. The God of the breakthrough is visiting your house. Hallelujah. Amen. In fact, there are people being healed right now by the power and the presence of God that is in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead. If you need healing in your body, just lift your hands, stand to your feet, begin to praise God and say, I receive my healing. I receive my deliverance. I receive my freedom in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. All right. Be seated for a moment. Speaking about God regarding him saving Daniel from the lion's den, King Darius made this statement in Daniel 6, 27. You want to turn there? You're welcome to. If you want to read along with me, go ahead. Verse 27. After God had delivered Daniel from the lion's den, Darius said, He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. And notice he said, and this is King Darius. This is not Daniel speaking. It's King Darius who witnessed what God did for Daniel. And he said, speaking of God, he delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and earth. After God rescued him and delivered him from the lion's den, Verse 28 says, and so this Daniel prospered. Notice not only will God rescue you in hard times, but he'll turn the circumstances around in your favor. Amen. Don't don't forget to read verse 28. Everybody talks about uh, Daniel being delivered from the lion's den. That's wonderful. God, God came through for him. In fact, if you study the life of Daniel then you will quickly realize Daniel's life represented a life of faithfulness. A life of faithfulness. Unwavering faithfulness to God. And God responded and honored his faithfulness by delivering him from the lion's den. But that's not where the story ends. It's one thing to be rescued out of something. But how about God turning it around and causing you to prosper afterwards? Hallelujah. Amen. Anybody want to prosper? Anybody could stand any more prosperity? Hallelujah. So notice not only did God rescue him, but he turned that circumstances into something good. And Daniel prospered. 
So we could say that not only will God rescue, but he will also turn bad situations into something good. One commentary says, Daniel embodies the idea of faithfulness. In Psalm 31 verse 23 says, the Lord preserveth the faithful. The Lord preserveth the faithful. The message translation says, he takes care of faithful people. And then the passion translation says, he protects all those who are loyal to him. God is not going to let you fail if you keep your eyes on him. If you stay in faith. Amen. You know, the worst thing people do, and I'm talking about Christian people, the worst thing people do is when they're under pressure and they're in need of a breakthrough, one of the first things they do is quit coming to church. That's the dumbest thing you could do. And I don't see a dumb one in the building. Because you're all here, hallelujah. You're in church. But isn't it amazing? Brother Copeland said one time, when you're in trouble, don't run from God, run to God. Amen. And I, I've, I've noticed so often that when people are experiencing hard times, then one of the first things they get talked into from the devil, ah, it's no need going back to church. They can't help you down there. Nobody knows what you're going through. Not only that, nobody cares. And people fall for those lies. Amen. But that's the worst thing you could do. If nothing else, just get in here and go to shouting and praising God if nobody else does. You know, a long time ago, way back a long time ago, <clears throat> we were going through uh, some really tough times in the ministry, financially. And uh, in the natural, it, it just looked impossible. And the Lord said to me, This would be a wonderful opportunity for you to begin to praise me. I said, Lord, why would I want to do that? Now, this is before I learned these things. Why would I want to do that with what I'm going through? He said, because of what you're going through. Then he said this, if you knew what I knew, you'd be shouting right now. I said, well, would you please tell me what you know? <laughs> He said, even though you're under pressure, take a good look. You're still standing. He said, and what I know that you didn't know is Satan just fired his best shot. And if you don't give in, it's over. You win. So go ahead and begin to shout now. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Some of you might be right there right now. You're thinking, does God even know what I'm going through? And you go to God and say, what do I do now? Well, Paul said, having done all to stand, stand therefore. You know, you can't squeeze anything between stand, stand. One verse ends with stand. And the next verse says, stand therefore. You, you, can't, you can't squeeze anything between the two. So God's always, his, his reply to what do I do now is always stand. 
Well, I've been standing. Well, now you're scriptural. Stand some more. (laughs) Having done always to stand. Stand. And then the Lord taught me one time about rejoicing. He said, while you're standing, just go ahead and rejoice. So I did a word study on rejoice. One of the things it means is to brighten up. Now, most Christians, while they're standing, you can tell they're under pressure by the look on their face. Sometimes they come in church like this. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Brighten up. I like to say it this way. Keep them guessing. (laughs) Amen. Brighten up. Look at somebody right now and say, I'm rejoicing. Brighten up. Another definition I found was to leap. To rejoice includes leaping. Another definition I found was spin. To spin around. So the next day I went to the office. And everybody in there knew what we were going through because I had already had a staff meeting. We need to stand in faith. We're believing God for this, believing God for that. Everybody knew what we're believing God for. So I walked in the next day and I went. (laughs) And then went to my office. And left them guessing. (laughs) And then finally somebody said, Brother Jerry, what was that all about? I said, I'm rejoicing. Because God is turning things around. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, some of you may not feel comfortable doing that in here, but I dare you when you get home. No, I double dog dare you when you get home. Just leap, spin, put a smile on your face. In fact, Uh, You might even want to do it when you go to work tomorrow and keep everybody there guessing and make them ask you, what is that all about? And you just say, you should have been in church yesterday. Okay. So the Lord preserveth the faithful, takes care of them, protects them. When God's people stand firm in faith, then God always honors their faith. For the rest of Daniel's life, if you read his story, for the rest of Daniel's life, he carried the testimony of God's goodness and God's favor. God's goodness and God's favor. God turned things around for Daniel. And he's still capable of doing that for you. Amen. You won't always be under pressure. In fact... I'll say it again. God's working behind the scenes, even if you're, even as you're sitting here listening. And some of you are going to find, you know, it's amazing to me that sometimes, like I said, I've been in services just like you. And by the time I got out of the service, that situation had changed. I'd call back home and it's changed. Don't ever give up on God. Amen. Don't ever give up on God. The Apostle Paul made this statement while in prison facing death, Philippians 1.19, from the message translation, I'm going to keep the celebration going because I know how this is going to turn out. I'm going to keep the celebration going. The celebration you began this morning during the praise and worship service, 
and the moments we've stopped during the message and, and praise God. Keep that celebration going. Don't let it end when you walk out the door. Amen. Keep the celebration going. Why? Because Paul said, <clears throat> I know how this is going to turn out. Verse 20 from the message translation, it says, everything God wants to do in and through me will be done. And I can hardly wait to continue my course. Amen. So what is he saying? I know how this is going to turn out. That's the reason I'm going to keep praising him. Not only that, I know that I'm not done yet. I know I haven't finished my course yet. So I'm going to keep the celebration going and I'm going to finish the job that God has given me and I'm going to do so with joy. Hallelujah. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them it's not over. Not for you and not for me. God is about to turn your adversity. God's about to turn my adversity into victory. And I believe I'll give him a shout about it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, don't forget back in Daniel chapter 6 and verse 27, the last part of that verse says, He worketh signs and wonders. He worketh signs and wonders. That's, that's God's promise and pledge to us that if necessary to produce your breakthrough, I will provide signs and wonders. Somebody said, What's a wonder? Anything that makes you say, I wonder how God did that. <laughs> he worketh signs and wonders. Psalm 77 verse 14 says, Thou art the God that doest wonders. The message translation says, You're the God who makes things happen. That's the God we serve. He's the God that makes things happen. And if it, if it requires signs and wonders then you have this promise from God. He will do it if that's what it takes. Praise God. So once again, don't ever give up on God. It is the characteristic of the God we serve to do what men say can't be done. He's the God who does, if necessary, special intervention in behalf of those that love him. One of the meanings of the word intervention, I discovered from the Latin is to interrupt. Hallelujah. Now, I've finished my uh, introduction. Now I'm going to talk to you about divine interruptions. <laughs> Intervention. Have you ever had God intervene in your behalf? Well, one of the root words for intervention is to interrupt. To interrupt. God can and God will interrupt the adversary's plans when he is attempting to overthrow and to destroy you. Now, go with me to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. The Apostle Paul tells us in his writings that everything that was written, all these stories in the Bible, were written for our benefit. So when you read them, they are designed by God to, to give you hope and to produce faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So these stories are important. Don't just read them and say, oh, isn't that, isn't that nice? 
God did this for the children of Israel. No, Paul says they were written for our benefit. God had us in mind. Amen. And, and it, is, it is proof that God is still the God of the impossible. If he did impossible things for them, he can do impossible things for us. Now, isn't it amazing when people are facing impossible situations, for some Christians, the last thing they do is go to the Word. Now, that's where you need to go. That's your source of hope, your source of strength, your source of faith. When, when you're facing something impossible, don't, don't go talk to people that tried it and it failed. That's not who I run to. My, my closest friends are not quitters. Amen. My closest friends are people who stay with God and his word. And have the evidence to prove that it works. Hallelujah. They have the testimonies. You know, every time I get a call from Brother Copeland about a breakthrough in his ministry, I rejoice with him. I praise God with him. In fact, we were talking about some things just a few days ago when I was with him in uh, uh, one of his victory campaigns. And uh, you guys were there. And, and, and we were talking about some things. And he, he's talking about a, a, a recent breakthrough. George Pearsons was telling me about a recent breakthrough at the church. I rejoice with him. And then the next thing that comes out of my mouth is, I must be next. I must be next. Hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not jealous that they had a breakthrough and I'm still waiting on mine. I rejoice with them. Amen. Because I've learned that if I follow those who through faith and patience, I will inherit the promises just like they inherited the promises. Amen. So be careful about who you run around with, particularly when you need a breakthrough. When you're needing healing in your body, the last thing you need to do is run around with people who said, well, I, I tried to believe God and it didn't work. My mic keeps going off. I don't get much response. No, don't run around with people like that. Run around with people who said, you know, the doctor told me it was impossible for me to recover. But God... See, that's faith-inspiring. That, that's encouraging. Amen. I'm a testimony. I'm a living testimony. If it was not for God, I'd be laying in a bed somewhere with all the symptoms of a major stroke, never to preach again, never to be normal again. Well, the normal part's questionable, but I'm preaching, hallelujah. <laughs> I don't want to be normal again. You know, in the world's mind, the way the world looks at normal. But look at me now. But God. Hallelujah. Do I look like somebody who never preach again, never travel again, never be able to take care of myself? Carolyn have to take care of me for the rest of my life? That'll be the day. Look what God did. Amen. In fact, I know somebody that if I mention their name, 
that gave me a call just in the last few days. And it had spirit, in fact, the wife called me and said, my husband wants me to call you because he's had a major stroke and he knows that you were healed and God gave you a miracle and he wants you to pray for him. See, my testimony was inspiring to somebody else. Amen. Now, I think it's interesting that they didn't call somebody who never recovered. They called somebody in whom God brought a miracle. Hallelujah. Amen. So it's important when you're going through hard times, who you fellowship with. Are you still here? So God is the God who still does miracles. Now, in Exodus chapter 14, I'm sharing this story with you because of what the Apostle Paul said. These stories are written for our benefit. Okay? Exodus 14. And let's, well, to save some time, it actually would begin in the first part of that chapter. But let's just drop down to verse 13. You know the story. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Now you know the story. God is delivering them out of the, out of the hand of the Egyptians. And now... They're headed toward the promised land. But before they get there, they've got a Red Sea that is preventing them from getting to the promised land. Not only that, but when Pharaoh realizes what's been done, then he rallies all of his armies and he begins to pursue them as they are marching out of Egypt. So notice here, Moses said, don't fear. The Lord shall fight for you. Hold your peace. Verse 15 said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. Now notice how God tells them to do something that in the natural is impossible. Usually, major breakthroughs require us doing something impossible. I hope you took that note. Usually a major breakthrough requires you to do something that in the natural is impossible. So notice what it says. Tell them, go forward. Now I've said this in times past and you probably remember it. These people do not know that God can split a Red Sea. They've never seen him do that before. They can't turn to Exodus like we can and say, oh, look here. God splits seas. Oh, no problem. Let's go forward. No, they can't read Exodus. They're doing Exodus. Amen. They don't know that he can do this. But God tells Moses, tell the people, go forward. Okay, go forward. 
Now, I'm going to read a few of those uh, other verses. Just skip around for the sake of time. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. In the morning watch, the Lord troubled the host of the Egyptians. Now listen to this. This is what you call divine interruption. What's this? In the morning, the Lord troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them. Amen. Notice a divine interruption. Pharaoh's army is pursuing them. God's people reach the other side. They look back and they see Pharaoh's armies coming through the Red Sea just like they did. But then God causes a divine interruption. Have you ever driven a chariot where the wheels fell off? Have you ever driven anything when the wheels fell off? <laughs> huh? And I think, it's, I, think, I think it's really quite comical on God's part. And they drove heavily. I guess so. No wheels on your chariot, it's going to drive heavily. But what did God do? A divine interruption. Right in the midst of the adversary endeavoring to continue to pursue God's people. And Pharaoh's plan was to either kill them all where they stood or to take them back into captivity. But God caused a divine interruption. And I heard the Spirit of God say just as plain to me this morning, tell the people, divine interruptions are taking place right now. Some things that Satan has planned, some attacks that he's planned, they are not going to succeed. There will be a divine interruption, praise God. God is about to take his chariot wheels off, so to speak. Amen. So don't ever give up on God. A divine interruption. He's not your problem and never will be. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, or 15 through 17 from the message translation says, if anyone, this is God speaking, if anyone attacks you, don't for a moment suppose that I sent them. Don't for a moment suppose that I sent them. You know, it's amazing how so many of God's people still think God's their problem. God did this to teach me something. God did this to get glory. Read your Bible. God only gets glory when his people are delivered. God only gets glory when they're healed. God only gets glory when they experience a breakthrough. God only gets glory when they have a turnaround in their life. So God makes it very plain. If anyone attacks you, don't for a moment suppose that I sent them. It goes on to say in verse 17, I'll see to it that everything works out for the best. Amen. 
So that couldn't be any more plain than that. The King James says it this way. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise up against you, I will condemn it. Praise God. Amen. The Bible from the Amplified Bible says from the latter part of Isaiah 54, 17, and triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. That's the reason I want to tell you this morning, you have a bright future. It's not over yet. God is going to rescue you. God is going to turn things around for you. God is going to cause a divine interruption for you. Amen. Hallelujah. I think you ought to give the Lord a great shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. First John chapter one, verse five says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Everybody say at all. The message translation says, there's not a trace of darkness in him. Not a trace of darkness in him. The Bible uses the word light as a metaphor for good. And it uses the word darkness as a metaphor for evil. Therefore, since there is no darkness in God, then therefore there is no evil in God. God's not the producer of evil. God's not behind what you're going through. If anything, God is the one who gets you out of it. Hallelujah. If there is no evil in God, then he can't produce evil. That's not in his nature. James says it this way in James 1.13. Let no man say when he's tempted. Another translation says tested or tried. That I am tempted, tested or tried by God. The message translation says... That's not possible. Amen. God is not behind the testing and the trying. Why, why would God have to test you anyway? The Bible says God knows every thought that you have. God knows the beginning from the end, the end from the beginning. The Bible even says God has numbered every hair on your head. And he remembers the original count for a lot of us. <laughs> Anybody that knows you that well, you mean to tell me he has to create some kind of problem to see how you're going to respond? Then he's not the God we think he is. God knows all. Nothing surprises him. Amen? Nothing surprises him. You don't get up one morning and say, God, we've got an inflation. We've got depression. We've got... And God says, really? I, I wasn't aware of that. He knows all. Nothing, nothing is hidden from him. Now, there is somebody that doesn't know you that well. And his name is Satan. He only knows you how you respond. Now he's keeping a record. He's got a log book. Okay. If I put sickness on them. The last time I put sickness on them. Here's how they responded. Oh my God, I'm going to die. 
That's in his little log book. The last time I caused a financial crisis in their life, they said, looks like I'm going to lose everything. The only way that Satan knows what you will do is when you do it. He can't read your mind. He's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. I said, he can't read your mind. It's only when you speak it through words and actions, he determines something about you. Well, the next time you have a financial attack, the next time he tries to put sickness on you, surprise him. And don't respond the way you did the last time. Amen? And make him blot out all of his notes on you. Hallelujah. So once again, God says, I'm not behind this. I'm your answer, not your problem. Can you say amen? amen? God neither tempteth any man. God does not create the test and the trials to find out how you'll respond. John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Period. Jesus said, but I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. So don't ever switch roles with Jesus and the devil. (laughs) Amen. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If it has anything to do with killing, stealing, destroying, Satan's behind it. If it has anything to do with life and living it more abundantly, God's behind it. Amen. Don't ever, don't ever switch them up. God's not behind what you're going through. God is behind rescuing you from it. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus said in the 16th chapter of John, verse 33, In the world you shall have tribulation, tests and trials. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amplified Bible says, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world, I have deprived it of power to harm you, and have conquered it for you. Praise God. Look at your neighbor and say, I told you my future is bright. Amen. David tells us in Psalm 511. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. God is our defender. God is our protector. God is our deliverer. God is our rescuer. Hallelujah. And everybody that believes it, let them rejoice and let them ever shout for joy. Hallelujah. Come on, let's do it right now. Shout for joy. Another translation says, let all those who come to you be protected. Let all those who come to you to be protected rejoice and cause them to joyfully uh, praise you. They are truly happy because of what you've done for them. Amen. And then Jeremiah 39, verse 17 and 18. But I will deliver thee in that day, saith the Lord, because thou hast put thy trust in me. Another translation says it this way. You have protected me. You are like a fort 
in which I run to safety. Hallelujah. So in hard times, God promises to rescue us. We're living in hard times. We're living in some strange times. But that's not to say that we ought to just throw in the towel and give up. No, we don't quit. Having done all to stand, we continue to stand. We, we, we praise God in spite of it all. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Why don't you stand to your feet right now? And while you're standing, I want to read this, this word once again. To make sure you get it before you go home. You are about to enter into a new realm of supernatural favor. And because of it, I will turn what your adversary meant for bad into something good. Supernatural intervention is headed your way. And what is intervention? A divine interruption. So we could say a divine interruption is headed your way. And I am going to make some things happen for you that you aren't capable of making happen on your own. I'll say it again. New doors are about to open for you that will bring about new opportunities for you to prosper. Divine appointments are being arranged for you that are designed to assist you in going to a higher level where your quality of life is concerned. Yes, your set time has come. So rejoice in the Lord your God and forever praise His name. And never forget that I am not going to allow you to fail. Your failure, uh, your future rather, is in my hands, and therefore your future is bright. So let's give him another good shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Lay your hands on somebody next to you. And just begin to pray in the Spirit for them right now. Just pray in the Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. Thank you, Father. We're all familiar with the phrase, just out of the blue. Just out of the blue. Meaning, it surprised me. I heard that as I was just praying in the Spirit. Some of you are about to experience some just out of the blue it happened. Just out of the blue it happened. Hallelujah. In other words, caught me off guard. A surprise. I had one happen just day before yesterday. Just, just caught me by surprise. Didn't know it was going to happen. Amen. It doesn't surprise me that God surprises me. It surprises me in how he goes about it. He's the God of surprises. 
Hallelujah. I think a number of people in here are going to be saying that sometime this week. Just It just happened out of the blue. Just out of the blue it happened. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and praise Him one more time. Thank you, Father.